good to it's good to be speaking to you, Palace family, this morning. And oh, how I miss seeing each and every one of you gathered together in this building with me. And I cannot wait until we all are gathered together again under one roof, corporately worshiping together in one heart and one mind and in one soul, magnifying our Lord and Savior together. I miss you greatly. And soon this will be over. We'll be able to gather again as a family. We'll be able to hug one another's neck. But right now, what I want you to do right there in your homes is give somebody a high five. And I want you to tell them that's a love tap from the pastor. That's just a connection from the pastor to somebody else. Do that right there in your home. Give your children, give your wife, give your husband a, a, a high five for me. Amen. Praise the Lord. I want you to turn with me into your Bibles to the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. Chronicles, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. The Bible says that the son of Ishkar were men that had understanding of the times or the seasons to know what Israel ought to do. Let us pray together. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, as we come to present this message today, I pray that, Lord, that you would bless every family, every member of the palace family today. I pray that the young and old alike will be touched by the Holy Spirit, that you will challenge us as a church, that you will speak your will into our hearts, that you'll burn in our hearts like fire. Though we're not able as a body at this particular time to come together and, uh, and to minister one to another, we thank you for the opportunity for being able to speak over the airways and to speak through uh, th this live streaming, God, to our people. We love you. We praise you now, Father. We ask you to be God in all of this situation, and we give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. I know that this is a very unusual time, a time that has caught our nation by surprise and has caught it unprepared. Many are asking, what in the world is going on? Many are wondering, how long is this actually going to last? Others are questioning, how far is this thing really going to go? And there's restlessness and fear and concern and worry and nervousness and anxiety and uneasiness in the hearts of many Americans all across the nation. People don't know what to do, what to believe, what to expect especially among all of the different kinds of things that you hear from our media. However, it was the Apostle Paul that wrote in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressively in these latter times. The word expressively means explicitly, clearly, for a specific purpose or solely or loudly. Paul was telling us that in the latter times of the last days that God, by his Spirit, will speak expressively and clearly and loudly and solely for his specific purpose. It will not be like the media, it will be completely clear. We'll be able to understand what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us. We as a church are not to be ignorant of the things that's going on around us. Paul told the people of Corinth in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 7 and 8. He said that we the church are to speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which, should, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Which none of the princes knew this for if they would have known it they would have not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul was saying that the people would have had an understanding of their times during the time of Christ that they would have not crucified him. And the reason that Christ was crucified was because the people of that time did not know the times or the season that they lived in. In the book of Galatians chapter four, verse four through six, the Bible says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the 
law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying, Abba, Father. In Matthew chapter 16, verse one through three, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and they, des- and they desired that he would show them a sign from heaven. And Jesus, by prophetic word, over and over and over in the scriptures which the, these scribes and Pharisees should have known, yet the, 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 he was the greatest sign that the Father could ever send them, but they did not recognize it. They looked him in the eye and they said, could you show us a sign? Their request was a confession of their own blindness. They did not discern the time. Just as Jesus was a sign right before the religious leaders of his day and they could not recognize him as Lord and as the Son of God. Even so, I am concerned that the worry and the anxiety and the fear and the restlessness that is manifested in so many pretentiously spiritual people is also a confession of our blindness as well if we're not careful. We are not to be afraid. We are not to be restless. We are not to be weary or confused and consumed by what is happening within our world. But we are to have an understanding of the signs of our time. Jesus answered the Pharisees and the Sadducees and this is what he said to them. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, you hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. God has seasons in which he moves mightily. And let me declare into the palace of praise family right here today, this is one of those seasons when God is moving. Some people can predict the change in weather, but they cannot see the hand of God moving in their season. They have no discernment due to our expectations and sometimes even our presumptuousness. If we're not careful as a church, we too can miss the move of God that is occurring right under our nose, right in our land, right in our time, right under our face because it's not coming the way that we predicted or coming in the way that we thought it would be packaged. I'm here to tell you we got to watch out what we expect and we got to watch out what we presume and we got to have true spiritual discernment of what's taken place in our day and in our hour. Just as the Pharisees and Sadducees missed the discernment of the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're not careful, we will not be ready or see or understand the events that lead up to the second coming of Christ. And just as Jesus was a sign right before their eyes of those religious leaders of their day, and yet they could not recognize him as Lord or as the Son of God, even so, if we do not recognize the signs of our time as a church, it will lead us into spiritual bankruptcy as it did them due to our lack of discernment as well. This is why that Jesus said as he viewed Jerusalem in Luke 19 verse 41 through 44, listen to what he says. And when Jesus come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it saying, if you, even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from you. But now the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's visitation upon you. This happened, as we all know, it was the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. God had different plans. God told them in verse 42, if you had only known, if you'd only know on this day what would bring you peace, if you understand my perfect 
perfect will. If you understood my plan, but because they did not understand and because they did not have discernment, destruction came upon them. Jesus went on the hillside and you remember him praying over Jerusalem and the Bible says that he wept and he cried and said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, as a hen would have gathered her, uh, gathered her chicks under her wings to protect them. Even so, I would have you, but you would not allow me. You stoned the prophets and you killed those that I sent unto you. These people missed it because they missed the time of their visitation. They did not recognize the season, the time in which they lived. Our text refers to us, the men who knew and understood the signs and the season of their times. Again, let's look at 1 Chronicles 12 and 32. The sons of Issachar were men that had understanding of the time or the season to tell Israel what they ought to do. Men of understanding were men who knew the season and the responsibility in that season. The secret to the success of Jesus' own ministry was his relationship with the Father and his ability to discern his Father's will and ways. Jesus knew his season and his purpose during his, that season. Jesus moved in rhythm with the Father. He had harmony with the Father. John 5 and 20 tells us the Father loved loves the son and shows him the things in which he's doing. The Bible tells us that God the Father showed Jesus what he was doing. Gave him understanding of the sign of his time. Jesus knew why he came to earth. He knew his purpose. He knew what he was supposed to do. And then John 4 and 34 listen to what Jesus said. I'm about to get happy. My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. This was the desire of Jesus. To hear the command of God and then for feel that command in his life, to know his reason, to know his purpose, to understand why he was there during the season in which he was. And church, you and I are in a, such a season as this, not by accident and not by coincidence, but by divine appointment. God knew the day that you were birthed and from that day forward he had a plan. He knew the palace of praise would be built upon this hill and he has a divine plan. And then right now is that time that he wants to fulfill that plan. Now I want you to know that the church is not going down. The church is going on because it's got a mandate from heaven and God's going to anoint us. Oh, give the Lord praise where you're at. Let the Lord bless his people. Woo, hallelujah. Ha, the six, ha, ha, ha. The success of Jesus' ministry was his ability to understand and discern the will of the Father and then do that will. And the success of the church is no different. It is simple obedience, finding the will of God for this hour, knowing what to do and do it. Even as the Father loved his son Jesus and he showed him the things in which he done, even so he loves his church, the bride, and he will show us what he is doing as well. How many believe that right there at home? If you do, give somebody a high five. Those of you that are in here with me, give somebody a high five and say, I believe that. Amos chapter three, verse seven says, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. The Bible tells us that God don't do anything till he forewarns and let his people know what he's doing. It was Paul that stated in 1 Corinthians chapter two, verse nine through 16. Now, remember, this is right when he said, right, before, right after he, that he had said that the glory of the church is its ability to speak in wisdom concerning the things that are of God. That, my friend, 
discernment is our ability to speak the in wisdom concerning the things that are of God, which is a mystery to many people, and hidden to those who operate in the realm of the natural who operate in the wisdom of this world. There are people that are worldly. They operate in the wisdom of the world. And the things of God are hidden to them, but it is our job as a church to speak the hidden mysteries of God, to know them, to preach them, to proclaim them, to understand them. We have to have an understanding of what's taking place here today, what's taking place within our nature. But look what he says about the church. He goes on in verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor is it into the heart of the man the things that God's got prepared for them that love him. Now, first of all, we think that's talking about heaven and we use it a lot. And it may be not taking that out of context to say that there are things in heaven that will blow our mind. But that is not talking about heaven. It's talking about now. He's saying right now, as we live at this time in in March of 2020, the eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man that things God's got prepared for us at this very moment. But listen to verse 10. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit because the spirit searcheth the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, he says, but by the spirit of man that is within him, 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 within him. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but by the spirit of God. Now, we have not receive the spirit of this world, but you and I as Christians have received the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God, which things also we speak, not in the words with the man's wisdom, but in, the, in that which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things that be of the spirit of God, for they are foolish unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, but he, but he is judged of no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You know what Paul said in the book of Philippians? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You and I are to have the mind of Christ. And Christ's mind knew the will of the Father. And he knew his purpose. And he knew the reason for the season in which he was here. Even so, the church has to have that kind of knowledge. We have to have that kind of discernment. We are to have discernment and understanding of what the will of God is during these tests that you and I are going through right now. Joseph knew to store up seven years due to coming famine. Noah knew to build an ark and the saving of his family when it hadn't even rained upon the face of the earth before ever in history. Jochebed knew to hide Moses for three months. Abel knew to offer an acceptable sacrifice that Cain was not able to understand. And Abraham knew to step out on nothing and go where he knew not where he was going going. We will never know or understand the full plan of God in certain seasons, but we can and we must have his leading and his discernment of what to do in those times that we fully don't understand in complete detail. We may not understand the full complete detail of his plan, but we have enough insight to operate in the will of God to fulfill that plan. Can I have an amen? Though we live in the natural and the physical kingdom and in the flesh and we have to operate with natural wisdom in order to survive in this physical world. We have to obey laws. We have to pay taxes. We have to feed our families. We have to work our jobs. Yet we also 
have to understand that in order to survive spiritually, we have to live out kingdom principles, spiritual principles here on this earth. Last week, we talked about being born into the kingdom and the kingdom being born in us and that you and I are to have a kingdom mentality. But the true test of survival will be found in our ability to have discernment and have the ability to make sound spiritual judgments during these times of test. We're not to be depressed. We're not to fall down in fear. We're not to back up in unbelief. But you and I are to stand tall and shine like we have never shined before. We are the body of Christ. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We are his children. We are the inheritance of God in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Each and every one of us have what we call five senses. It's the ability to taste, see, hear, smell, and feel. There is also a sixth sense that we don't talk about very much. It's called intuition. It seems that females or mothers especially have this more than men do. But we all have a sixth sense called intuition. I knew a woman that had great intuition when she was raising her family where I lived in Dudley. She had a little boy that was mischievous and every time you turn around, it seemed like she's at the right place at the right time saving that boy from some kind of destruction. One day she was down in her basement in her living room where there's a split level home built in the 70s and she was downstairs and she kept feeling an urge. I need to go check on Andy. Something's wrong. Somewhere he's doing something he shouldn't be doing. And she felt like she needed to go to the kitchen. She ran to the kitchen and right when she did, he shut the microwave door and started to turn on the button. She ran over there to see what he put in and he had, she opened it up and there was the cat. And it was all mustard up. He had put mustard all over it. And she said, Andy, what in the world are you doing? He said, I'm just trying to help you cook dinner, mom. And that was, she had intuition that something was wrong, that there was something that she needed to go to. Her daughter one time, she woke her up to get ready for school and when she opened the door to her support, Surprise, the bedroom was a mess. And she said, young lady, did I not tell you to clean this up before you went to bed? Look at your new clothes. Look at your new coat laying in the floor and you're trampling up on it with your feet. And she was mad. She said, when you get back from school, you're not going to go out and play. You're doing nothing until this room is clean. When the daughter got home, sure enough, the mother was there waiting on her. She made her go in there and start cleaning the room. And the girl kept saying, well, this is my blouse. Where do you want to put it? And she'd tell her, this is my pants. Where do you want to put this? She'd tell them the proper places. And finally, she knew she got mad she said you know where they go finally she picked up her new coat she said well where does this go and she said well flush it down the commode for all I care but you're going to get this room cleaned up she was just mad and all of a sudden about five minutes later she was out of the room and she's somewhere else in the house and all of a sudden that intuition kicked in I better run Jamie's doing something she shouldn't do and she run in and sure enough she's trying to flush the new coat down the commode that my friend is intuition what is intuition let me give you a definition of it intuition is when one can sense danger or when one feels an urge to take certain actions at certain times though they can't offer a rational explanation of why. You can't really know why you're doing it. It's just an intuition that's built in you. This is the inner sense that God has given all of us and it's called 
intuition. But I want to tell you there's something greater happening right now and a challenge that's happening before the church. There is also this thing called spiritual discernment and it is not intuition. It's beyond the level of intuition. Intuition rises out of the mind. It connects with the five senses. You have eyes that you can see and sometimes you can look over by oversight. You know what to do because it, it, intuition speaks by what it sees from the senses of the eyes. But this is not how you operate necessarily in the spirit realm. This thing called intuition rises up with the senses while discernment rises up with the spirit of God. There is a realm of spiritual discernment that goes beyond the five senses of man. To have intuition is the ability to tap in to your own given natural sense that God has planted in you. But to be in the realm of discernment, it means that you have the ability to literally see in another world, that you have the ability to see into the very kingdom of God, that you have to you have the ability to see the heart of God, that you have the ability to see the will of God, that you have the ability to know the mind of the Lord, and that you have the ability to connect with the Spirit of Almighty God. Oh, hallelujah. What intuition is in the natural kingdom, discernment is in the spiritual kingdom. It means that you have spiritual insight, urges, spiritual prompting, spiritual nudges, and spiritual enlightenment, spiritual leading, and sometimes just literally spiritual outpourings of the Holy Spirit. You can also see, hear, feel, taste, and smell in the Spirit. Did you know somebody said, how can you taste in the spirit? I don't know. The psalmist said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? The experience that you have. You say you can smell Jesus even called a spirit one time, a foul spirit. Sometimes you can just sense that foulness and that odor that is not of God, that something is wrong in the sense of the spirit of God. Or you can smell also the aroma of his glory sometimes in a service. Discernment makes the kingdom of God just as real and just as tangible as the kingdom of this world. Can you have a amen? You as a believer have the ability to believe and operate in the kingdom of God just as much as you believe and operate in this natural world. It is the place where God becomes as real sometimes as what you can touch, taste, see, smell, and feel. Don't you like being in those services where you can feel God to the point that you feel like you can cut the presence of God with a knife? Isn't it wonderful to be in that place where the overwhelming presence of God gets upon you to where you think, God, I can't take no more, where you're laid out with moanings and groanings and utterances that cannot be uttered where the power of God is birthing things into your spirit where you know things not because of intuition not because of what you see not because of oversight but because you're connected with the throne room of glory you're connected with God himself God's showing you his will and his ways each one of us should have and must have discernment as individuals because there's not only a corporate mandate upon this church in these last days, but there's individual mandates for us to fulfill as well. Every one of you in the palace family not only have a mandate and an obligation to fulfill the mandate that God's given you connected with the church to do ministry, to teach, to train, whatever God's called you to do, but you also got a, also a mandate upon you as an individual, as a father, as a priest of your home, as a mother or whatever that may be. Several of the gifts of the spirit given to the church involve discernment. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. These are administrative gifts. Interpretation of tongues. Prophecy. What are they? They're communicative gifts. All of these gifts are given 
And they give discernment and direction for the body to where that body can operate in the will of God. You cannot operate in the will of God if you don't have a word of knowledge, a discerning of spirit, a word of wisdom, where you can understand tongues, interpretation of tongues and prophecy. God has also given us the fivefold ministry to the church. What are the apostle, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists? And can I tell you, let me speak to you that prophecy is not dead. The office of a prophet has not ceased. Why is it that we're all ready to identify the gifts of pastor and teacher and evangelist, but we're reluctant to identify those who function in the role of a prophet? The lack of prophetic insight is a missing link of the power and the resolve and the restitution process of the church. We must take seriously the operation of the prophetic gifts because, listen to me, in these last days there's a visitation of the Spirit that is just like that of the prophet Elijah. Amen? This is what, this is what the Scripture tells us. What is the work of Elijah? It's prophesied in the book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrible day of the Lord come. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. He'll turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers. Look at the work that he's doing. Why is the spirit of Elijah sent? I know Elijah's coming himself as one of the witnesses in the tribulation period. I understand that. But I also know that there's a forerunner of that happening right now in the spirit realm. That the spirit that was upon Elijah is upon the church right now of Jesus Christ. And what is that spirit to do? It's to turn the hearts of the father back to the children. And it's to turn the hearts of the children back to the father. Do you understand the will of God? That's the will of God right now. It's to turn the hearts of the children back to the father and the hearts of the father back to the children. Lest I come and smite the land with a curse, he says. In other words, the land's going to be cursed if this does not happen. Did you know in the book of Matthew chapter 17, verse 10 through 13, they thought John the Baptist was Elijah. Did you know that in Matthew 16, verse 13 through 15, they thought Jesus was Elijah? How do I know? Because Jesus asked Peter, Peter, who do men say that I am? He said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're John the Baptist. And some say, and then Jesus said, oh, but who do you say that I am? And he said, Peter answered and said, well, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. I want you to know that Jesus was not John the Baptist. I want you to know John the, uh, uh, was Elijah, and John the Baptist was not Elijah. But the spirit of the prophet of Elijah is upon the church right now. As your shepherd, as your pastor, I'm going to be bold here this morning, and I'm going to be used as a prophet here for a few minutes. And I'm going to declare unto you and prophesy unto you. Everything that is going on right now is the consummating of the great end time events that's going to bring forth one of the prophetic revivals of the end time. This is not a time to be fearful, but rejoice because your salvation draweth nearer than you ever think. You better lift up your eyes and look under the hills because your, your help coming from the Lord. And let me tell you, your redemption draws nigh. Can I have an amen? Elijah experienced a season of drought, and then he experienced a season of rain. Not just a normal rain, but an outpouring of rain. And can I tell you, we may be facing drought and famine and uncertainty right now, but it's going to be short-lived. 
Hear what I say. Oh, we don't know how long it's going to last, but in the eyes of God, it's going to be very short-lived because I hear the abundance of rain. I am prophesying it is not over. We are not done. We are not finished. This is not the end. This is not the ruin. This is not the decay of a nation. It's not the decay of the church, even though the enemy meant it for bad. Yet God has got a divine purpose. Hallelujah. Lift your hands right where you're at and praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord where you're at. Let the Lord touch you in your homes. Hallelujah. What the enemy used to trying to take us out, isn't it odd he's doing it right in the season of Easter, the most celebrated time of the church where we have some of the greatest, greatest conversions. Right at the time when it should be a blessed event, there's chaos. But I got news for the devil. He will not stop the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He couldn't stop him coming out of a tomb, and he's not stopping the risen lamb now to fulfilling his purpose. Hallelujah. I see the cloud about the size of a man's hand coming. It may look small, but it's going to be one of the greatest things that's ever hit planet Earth. I see the cloud coming, and I hear the voice of God speaking the very words to the church that he spoke to Elijah. Get up. Go quickly. Go hastily. What you do, you better do fast. And that is the word of the church. We have to be like Elijah. We have to have discernment and get up and run and fulfill God's command on the mandate that's upon us right now. I can tell you what God has shared with me and I'll finish this message next week because some of the things that God has shared, I don't have the time to do it all in one sermon. Some of you are grateful for that. I thought I could put some of it in, but I couldn't. But we are at a place where there is a holy showdown just like that on Mount Carmel. That's where we're at in the timetable of God. We're at the place where God has taken his church from operating under the influence of the physical realm that we have done for years. We know how to push the buttons. We know the mechanics. We know the rituals. We have the talent. We have the ability. We have whatever it takes to get things done. But now he's taking us out of the realm of the natural and he is pouring his spirit into the church and we're going to start operating in the supernatural realm. We're going to quit operating in the physics of the natural world and start operating in the gifts of the spiritual world. Can you have an amen? God is about to manifest. Listen, this is the prophetic word that God is about to manifest his kingdom on earth through his body, the church. Amen? This manifestation is coming down right in the middle of the rise of an apostate church and the global rise of satanic assault. Right now, there is a coalition between Satan itself and the apostate church to rise up and to destroy the church of Jesus Christ upon the earth. Christians are being persecuted all over this world. The rise of persecution of the Christian church in America is at an all-time high, even here in the United States, and we've not seen nothing yet. But we are going to encounter in these last days, listen to me, not only are we going to encounter angels, but we're going to encounter demons. We're going to see the conflict of nations and lands and people. We're going to face principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places like we have never seen before. There's going to be more things happen that is going to convince us of the spirit realm than ever before. People that did not believe in demons, they're going to believe them before this thing is over. Are you listening to me? We're going to discern the struggle and the groanings of the Holy Spirit because we're going to become a church that's going to become sensitized, sensitive to the presence of God. 
We're going to see the church in the church, I should say. We're going to see in the church the worldly stuff beginning to pass away and given over to another world with an order being formed called the kingdom of God. The things that are holding us back, the things that's got attachments to us, the things that is just seeming to come in and, and, and there's worldliness and, there's, and there's, there's allurements and there's entanglements and there's snares and there's weights that the Bible tells us. All of that is fading out of the true church of Jesus Christ and God is birthing the kingdom of God in the hearts of men and women. That's what's happening right now. God is going to have the people. He's clothing his people with power in these last days. God's going to have himself a people and God is going to revive his kingdom on earth in the church. There's a showdown between good and evil, whether you know or not. The masks have come off. How many seen that the mask has come off? Those things that have been done behind closed doors, hidden in closets, and in deceit and deception for years, they now are not only accepted, but they're openly being spoken and they are presented on center stage, even in political arenas. They literally have become political, political talking points. A whole political party's platform now embraces abortion, same-sex marriages, transgender, socialism, legal marijuana, sanctuary cities that protect those of crime, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And I want to tell you, these things are nothing more that are but unbiblical, unholy practices that's supported by a demonic system that's trying to take over. Can I have an amen somewhere? The real problem is they are against the freedom of speech even because anyone who disagrees with their agenda is considered religious bigots and should be brought, on, brought up on hate crimes. They literally, if they become empowered, would make it a law to disagree with them would be a crime and you could be arrested just disagreeing with them. Not only is the spirit revealed in the political world, but it's also the spirit is revealed in the church world and the world itself. Can't have a lot of time preaching there, but it is revealed in the church by seeing people lose their ability to think and even stand. Matter of fact, during the time of Elijah, many of the people defected from the faith. A thought, an idea, temptation runs through the people's minds nowadays, and without even thinking, without even a thought process, they just run and do it with no conscience, no conviction. I don't know, I don't understand why. But we're seeing the rise of the spirit of Jezebel in the land that is enticing people and tempting people and causing people to cave into their faith. There's such a deception, destruct, deceiving destruction that's coming with the spirit. It's a powerful spirit. It's a deceiving spirit. It is the spirit of Jezebel. And who was it that fought that spirit of Jezebel? It was that prophet Elijah. We are repeating history. We are taking on the spirit of the prophet Elijah to fight. What? That spirit of Jezebel that has always been around. There is a strong force of spiritual wickedness that's coming against the church and the, our societies. This is all the signs of the end time. There will be a rise of the apostate church and a plan, a plan of takeover by demonic force that's already in motion. Matthew 24 and 12, the prophetic word, the love of many shall wax cold. 2 Timothy 3, 13, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Matthew 24, 24, lying signs and wonders will deceive and turn many from the faith. 2 Peter 2 and 1, there'll be a rise of false teachers and prophets. 1 Timothy 4 and 1, there'll be a great falling away. And the question will even be asked in Luke 18 and 18, when the Lord comes, shall he find faith on the earth? There's such a destruction that's taking place. Yes, the smoke screen now is uncovered. And now the enemy is coming out blatant in your face. He's no longer hid. He tells you what he believes. 
He's not hidden. He's no longer craftedly, seductively slipping in, forming his thing behind closed doors, but he is fully exposed for what he is. Can I have an amen? It's in your face. The enemy is preaching their agenda and they're openly showing you who they are for the very first time in history. And now we see people who have bought into the world philosophy and they have bought into and embraced demonic activity as normal behavior. But I'm here to tell you, in the, must, in the midst of such confusion and chaos, God promises something very special. Hallelujah. The wine of the Spirit was good on Pentecost. But let me tell you, God has served the good wine until the last. Hallelujah. You think the power of Pentecost was good? The latter house shall be greater than the former house. Those things will not compare to what's about to happen in the church of Jesus Christ. And thank God we're birthed in that air and it's our mandate. Can I have an amen? To be the spiritual giants of our age. Amen. While many may wax cold, yet sons and daughters will be fervent and hot in the spirit prophesying the very things of God. Joe 2, 28 says, In the last day saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your old men dream dreams. Your young men see visions upon my handmaids and upon my servants. What will he do? I will pour out my spirit, saith the Lord. While even men and seducers wax worth, worth, Yet God promises in Isaiah 61 and 2, Arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness to people, but the Lord shall rise upon you and his glory shall be seen in you. Right in the middle of gross darkness, right in the middle of a trying of a, a power struggle of a demonic force trying to take over, God's going to stop it by the power of the church. While there will be departure from the faith, Yet others will find themselves planted on solid rock, the rock Christ Jesus. That's why Matthew 16 and 18, Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. According to 1 Peter 5 and 8, the devil is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. But we also see that the true lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah is also rising up with healing and strength in his wings. And can I tell you, the lion of the tribe of Judah is on the move. He's not dead. He's not asleep. He's not like the bell god. And let me tell you, just as the bell gods, Elijah stood out and mocked as they cut themselves and sacrificed themselves trying to get their god to move. And Elijah said, where is your god? Is he taking a journey? Where is your god? Is he on vacation? Where is your god? Is he taking a nap? I want to tell you, our god's not on vacation. I want to tell you, he that watches over his church neither slumbers nor does he sleep. He is an eye that is upon the righteous and his ears are extended under their cry. He is close as the mention of his name. He'll stick to you closer than a brother. He is the I am, the Omega, the first and the last and the beginning and the end and he's with his people. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. My goodness alive. I wish I had a house full here today. Oh, hallelujah. Ha. Can I tell you that line of the tribe of Judah is on the move. The true church is not going out as defeated and whipped and beat up church. We're not going out in a whimper. We're going out in a shout. And it's a shout of victory. Say victory while you're at. Say it again, victory. One more time, victory. I got news for you. The rapture, I love this right here. The rapture is not a retreat for a weak soldier church who cannot endure the heat of the battle. 
That's not what the rapture is all about. The church will endure her difficulty and suffering with grace. The things that's upon us right now and the things that we're going to face in our future, we're going to do it with dignity and we're going to do it with grace. And we're going to be in grace as we go through it. Whatever they may be, the church will deepen her resolve, will purify our heart, and will release through us the overcoming awesome power of the Holy Spirit. We are not afraid of what's coming upon us. No matter how long this thing, I don't have everything in detail. I've got some insight, which I will also be sharing with you next week. But I can tell you the spirit of Elijah is upon us. I can tell you that the spirit of Jezebel is against us. I can tell you there's a rise of an apostate church. I can tell you there's a rise of a satanic, satanic takeover. But I want you to know there is a showdown between the good and the bad, the ugly and the, and the pretty. I want to tell you. And let me tell you, Jesus has always won. He will always win. There is no defeat for the church. There is no such thing as the church dying. The church triumph is the church of Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? Get ready. God's kingdom is about to be released upon the earth and his glory is going to be manifested. You know what we're about to see? The manifestation of the invisible God. We are about to see, feel, hear, taste, and smell the kingdom of God. This is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. That which is spiritual in these last days is going to be just as real and just as tangible to the people of God than that of the physical world. To have an awareness, always walking in the awareness of God, having the fear of God, having the resolve of God, having the respect of God, the reverence of God, knowing his will, following in it with confidence and assurity, being like the apostle Paul. But the church has to rise up like Elijah. What did Elijah have to do? He had to prophesy. He had to proclaim and declare the word of the Lord in this land. Elijah faced famine. Then he faced rain. Say rain. Look at somebody in your home and in this place say rain's coming. Get ready. I want to tell you, I love it when he looked at Ahab the king and said, you better get ready, Ahab, because I hear the abundance of rain. He told the enemy that. I'm here to tell the enemy face to face, just as the virus spreads, it cannot spread as fast as the Holy Ghost can spread. Hallelujah. As fast as the attachment of a virus can attack the body, the Holy Ghost can attack the spirit. I'm here to tell you that there's no stopping the power of the Holy Spirit. The virus may come and go but the Holy Spirit is here forever. My, 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 my. (laughs) Elijah faced famine, then rain. Then the next thing that he faced was the whirlwind that took him home. (laughs) That's the next thing on the agenda. After the rain and after the harvest, get ready. I hear the trumpet of the Lord and the rapture is at hand. The second coming of Christ is right here, right now. Amen. I want to close with an email that I got this week. I thought, oh, dear God, because I'd had this sermon already being prepared. And I didn't get it until Thursday night. Listen to what this email says. It's from Candace Robinson. Joe's wife is the way she presented it. She's known as Joe's wife. I know her as Candace because she's a beautiful, individual, unique person. Amen. 
Listen to this, and then I'll close. She said, I woke up Monday morning with the word arise in my spirit. I just could not shake it. So during my devotional time, I prayed for him to show me in the word what he was talking about. The Holy Spirit directed me to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1 and 2. Rise and shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the people, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears unto you. Then he directed me to Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 9 and 10. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds, and breathe into these that slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered in them. They came to life and stood upon their feet as a vast army. Then he, she said, he directed me to Psalms 118, verse, one, uh, verse 17. I will not die but live, and I will proclaim what the Lord has done. All day Monday and then into Tuesday morning, she said the lyrics from the song Come Alive kept repeating into my heart. Come alive, come alive, old dry bones, come alive. Awake and arise and inhale the light. I prayed, help me understand because I only see in part, Lord. Then he showed me this vision. This is a vision that Candace had. He showed me a girl in the valley of dry bones. She ran to a skeleton and breathed on it. Then she said, come alive, awake, arise. As she did this, the breath imparted the flame of the Holy Spirit into the skeleton. I could see the flame in the chest area where the heart normally would be. The skeleton started to rise. She ran to another and did the same thing. This happened over and over until there was an army just like Ezekiel. They were full of the fire of the Holy Spirit and were ready and equipped for war. He said to me, this situation will cause the church to arise. What once was a dead, what once was dead will have new life. The light of Jesus will shine through, pulling people out of deep darkness. Arise and shine for your time, your time, your season has come. I wasn't going to share this, she said, but it burned in my heart like fire, so I wrote it down. And I gave it to Sister Melody, and Melody gave me the suggestion to send it to you, and that's what I'm doing. Have a good evening, Candace Robinson. I want to tell you, this little lady was used to the Holy Spirit, and God is raising up prophetess and prophetess right in our midst. There are other people that's given testimonies of what's happening, and they're beginning to tell how they're talking to people and how people are responding. It's already happening as I speak. There are people that are getting in their devotional closets that's never been in their devotional closets before. Because if you don't get in the prayer closets, this thing that meant to God to bring you through will destroy you just like it did Jerusalem. The very will of God for Jerusalem did not happen because they did not discern the times that they were in. You must discern the times that you're in. You must heed the prophetic word here today. You must find your place to where you can hear the heartbeat of God to where you come to understand the time and the season in which you live and your responsibility to it. Stay fervent. Stay obedient. Stay faithful. Keep seeking because the Lord God wants to visit with you in the midnight hours and show you his mysteries by the Holy Spirit. May God bless every one of you. My love goes out for you. We'll be updating you of where we're at as soon as we hear the, the, the latest news. But our goal is to uh, have church as soon as possible. We'll get that out to you, and we love you. May the Lord bless you. If you need us, call us. 
but look forward to the visitation and habitation of the Holy Spirit. It's his promise to you in Jesus' name. Prophesy, preach, declare, proclaim. This is the day of the Lord's, Lord's blessing and visitation to the church. Take advantage of it in Jesus' name. Bless you in Christ's name. Amen.